and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Today, we find ourselves in week two of a series titled, There is More. There is more. And I love this series because the whole premise of it is to really, um, the whole series is based around tackling this taboo topic of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on, did last week bless anybody, uh, challenge anybody, create a hunger in anybody maybe? You know, really over the next couple of weeks, what we're uh, uh, making efforts to do is, is evaluate, is answer the questions, what does the Holy Spirit do? What, what does the Holy Spirit not do? What is the Holy Spirit for? Does he live in us? When does he live in us? I think there's all these questions. There's a lot of mystery around the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to dive into it. I just wanted to confront it. You know, like maybe there's a little mystery there, but let's let's just run into it and soak up all that we can. Amen? I'm expecting that as we continue to look at God's word and what it says about the spirit of God, we're gonna grow in our wisdom. We're going to grow in our knowledge and we're going to grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not sure what all of you have heard about the Holy Spirit, but I think a good place to start is observing the words of Jesus. What did Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit? And maybe we should start there. So we read this verse last week, but I felt like it was a good idea to read it again this week in John 16, starting in verse five. This is Jesus. And he says this, now I'm going away to the one who sent me. Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he'll no longer be on earth. Jesus is going to ascend back to the Father after he resurrects from the grave. And he's slowly preparing them for these moments. And he says this, but I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you. Come on, those are some strong words. It's best for you, church. Jesus looks at his companions that he's walked around with for the last three years. We've done some cool things. We've seen people heal. We've seen demons cast out, right? We've seen blind eyes open, but it is actually better for you that I go. Not just better, it's best. Wow. Because if I don't, the advocate, who we know is the Holy Spirit, won't come. Goes on to say, and when he comes, he's going to convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. And judgment will will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Jesus is saying that it's better that I go because the Spirit is going to come, and He's going to convict you of truth. The Spirit is going to lead you towards me, your need for me. There is much more I want to tell you, Jesus says, but you can't bear it now. He says, when the spirit, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. And what we found out last week, what we talked about is how the the work of the spirit and the work of Christ are not separate. The two are one in the same. And we discovered as we even read the words of Jesus here that the Holy Spirit is on assignment from Christ. They're working together. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. 
He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory. The Holy Spirit will bring Jesus glory through his own ministry. He will tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And then Jesus says that all that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. There's another verse that I wanted to quickly read um, in terms of what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He said this in Luke 11, 13. He said, so if you sinful people, he talks about dads. He says, if, you, if your kids ask for something, are you, are you going to give them something bad in exchange? He goes, no, that's not the heart of your father. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Come on, say how much more? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I just wonder, do we ask for more? If there is more, do we ask for it? Do we seek it? Do we knock? Do we relentlessly beg God, whatever you got, if you have it, we want it. Come on, last week was awesome. We highlighted a few things that the scriptures teach us the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And we found that he convicts us. We just read that in this passage, right? The Holy Spirit convicts our hearts. He guides us. He speaks to us. What we'll look at in the following weeks is that he gives us spiritual gifts and special abilities. But ultimately, we learn that the work of the Spirit is that he changes our hearts, right? He renews our hearts. He he renews our mind. Because of the work of the Spirit, we become new creations. And some of us learn for the first time. Some of us were just reminded last week that Jesus baptizes us with his Holy Spirit. We talked about how this is a separate experience outside of salvation, outside of water baptism, where the Spirit of God comes upon a believer and the believer receives power to carry out the work of the ministry. And most oftentimes when we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as we observe the text, we saw that when people are filled, baptized, when when they receive the Holy Spirit, There is a physical manifestation of what's happening in the spirit. And in the text we most commonly see, this is speaking in tongues and or prophesying. And my prayer is that as you left last week, even with your questions, even with maybe still some uncertainty, that you've continued to seek, ask, and knock for Jesus to baptize you with his Holy Spirit. And if you weren't here for last week's message, I want to strongly encourage you to check it out on our podcast. I think it'll be good for you. So this week, I want to just continue to bring clarity to what the work of the Spirit looks like in our lives. That's, that's what I want to continue to do this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We are so grateful for the opportunity to be in your house, to read your word, and to be transformed by it. I pray right now through the power of your spirit, you would till the soil of our heart to receive the seed of your word. As we do, let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to just read it, but we want to live it out. We we want to digest it and internalize it. So help us to do that. And Father, I pray this church would foster kids. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. If you guys got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans 8 because we're pretty much going to spend most of the morning in Romans 8. We're going to start at verse 1. And as you turn with your Bibles or, you know, I'll have it up here on the screen. But if you turn with me in your Bibles, if you do, you'll see a little heading over the top of Romans 8 that probably says something along the lines of life in the spirit, right? Or living by the spirit. 
And Paul does such an incredible job breaking down for us, further explaining the spirit of God and what it's accomplishing for us, what the spirit of God is doing in us, what the the spirit of God does through us. So I thought, man, why don't we just open up Romans 8 and just kind of park in Roman 8 this morning and then, uh, you know, talk about what all that looks like turning it. You guys know we turn it into string cheese, just pull it apart so, so we can just eat it little by little. Amen. Why does cheese taste better when it's ripped into strings? I don't know, but it just does. (laughs) the glory preaching this morning so let's park let's park in romans 8 let's read through it together break down some of what it's saying and then pull away a couple of practical points that we find related to the work and the ministry of the holy spirit romans 8 verse 1 it says this come on you read this first verse and 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 it makes you want to shout Amen. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, this is a revelation that is so powerful. This, this, is, this, is a revel- this, this might be one of the best verses in the Bible. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but come on, this is huge. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We, we, can't even, we can't even put that into words, the magnitude of how glorious that statement is. But the problem is we have such a hard time believing it. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that, man, we, we read this, it's there, it's truth, but I just wonder, have we been liberated? Have we liberated ourselves to live like we believe it? So, because I'm, I'm going to tell you this church, so much of living in the spirit is coming into agreement with that thought right there. It has to start right there. Do you really believe that there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? And once we grab hold of the fact, once we grab hold of that revelation that God, there is no condemnation. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. I'm made new by the blood of Jesus. I'm justified by the blood of Jesus. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Jesus died for me and through faith in him, I spend forever with him. I will not experience condemnation. Once we live from that place, it's transformative. But I think sometimes we, we, where it starts to get sketchy, where we start to f- be bound, where we start to submit to strongholds in our lives, when, when we're hesitant to live by the Spirit, is, is when we don't come into full agreement with this and we think, ah, I'm still not acting right. I don't know if, if I'm good enough for it. Let me give you a little secret here, church. You're not good enough for it. We've all fallen short of the glory. Jesus came to accomplish what the law could not accomplish. And some of us were still bound by living by the law as if our obedience would be good enough to to get us in to these heaven gates. Listen, it doesn't matter. Your your obedience will never be good enough. Isn't it Paul who talks about my good works are like rags, right? Now, granted, I'm all about living a holy life. This is, you know, prompted by the Holy Spirit. There is blessing to be reaped in our obedience. Obedience is a beautiful thing. But I I don't think we need to be bound by this obedience. We are liberated into this obedience, right? So some of us, it's about we have to get our minds right. If we are going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to come into agreement with the fact there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And then it says this, and because how, how, how is there no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Remember the work of the spirit 
and the work of Christ are one and the same. They work together, the Trinity in perfect harmony, right? It says this, verse two, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. Somebody say, I'm free. free. Come on, we gotta believe it though. We gotta believe it though. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And, and here's what you'll find out as we continue to go through the verse. He hasn't just freed us from the power of death, meaning hell in eternity, right? In, in the things of the spirit, but he's freed us from the power of death in our lives right now too. From what the, the sin that's wreaking havoc on our lives right now. We, can, we don't have to be bound while we're alive. So it's for the immortal uh, spirit that we have, but also our mortal bodies. We can find freedom right now because the power of the life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. So then Paul starts to talk about the law that the Jews have obeyed for so long that they've relied on to try to make themselves good enough in the sight of God. And then he talks about what Jesus, what, what the finished work of the cross, and then Jesus giving us his spirit, what the law of the spirit does. He, ta he talks about the differences. So let's look, come on, we're a little deep this morning, but y'all with me? Yeah. All right. The law of Moses was unable to, to save you because of the weakness of our sinful nature. All right, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body uh, like the body we, have, we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. We no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We've talked about this in weeks past, but, and we keep talking about it, and we will continue to talk about it, because the Scriptures teach us that the wages of sin are death. And I'm not looking at a room full of people who are without sin, Right? Have you sinned a little? I think I did probably this morning. Amen? Like, you know, there, there is sin in our lives. And you and I, our nature, we're, we're sinful beings who rebel against God. And in the same way a criminal stands before a judge to receive punishment, all of us, believers and non-believers, we will stand before God at the end of this thing and we will be judged. We will stand before Christ and we will be judged. And if we haven't fully satisfied the law, we're guilty. And here's a little secret. We've broken the law. We're guilty, right? And, and in fact, the intention of the law the whole reason, see, sometimes we, we look at the law as if it's a negative thing. The law in itself is holy and it's a good thing. But we were unable to live it out. We, we were unable, it's, it's perfection, right? The law is this, is this perfect standard. Really, the intention of the law was never for us to fully obey it. The law was established to set the standard of perfection. Without the law, we have no bias for or basis for what sin is and what sin isn't, what actions condemn us and what actions don't. The scriptures teach us that the intention of the law was to reveal our own humanity to ourselves without argument that we're sinful and incapable of satisfying and fulfilling the law for ourselves. Really what the law is, it's a mirror for us to look into and say, ooh, I'm ugly. <laughs> That's what it is. 
Matter of fact, and this is why the law really is so beautiful, because it points to our need for Jesus. The, the law points to our need for grace. It points to the fact that I can't fulfill all that. I can't do all that. I can't follow that to a T, but there is one who can. And he's invited us to take credit for the work that he accomplished, to live in the credit of the work that he accomplished on the cross. What the law also made way for was a standard of perfection. So when we say Jesus was without sin, if there was no sin established, how can someone be sinless when, when sin hasn't been defined? That's what the law does for us. So when Jesus comes, he, he has a perfection. He has a sinless life to fulfill. Therefore, Jesus being sinless was fit to be the perfect sacrifice to take on the sin of the world. So now when we place our faith in Christ, the spirit of God is activated in our lives and there is now a new power at work on the inside of us. Before I was bound by my sinful nature and my sinful nature tried to follow the law, but it could not. But instead Christ came, fulfilled the law, then gave me a spirit and said, let my spirit lead you. There's a new power at work on the inside of us. And it frees us from the power of sin and death. So though in our flesh, we were all condemned by our own sinful nature and inability to live without sin, Paul is telling us now, here's the beautiful, beautiful revelation that we've received. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Wow. Praise God. How, how is it possible? Because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So now it's not the law that we follow in pursuit of freedom. It, freedom is found in following the spirit. Okay, y'all still with me? Let's go on Romans 5, or, or Romans 8, verse 5. Paul continues to write, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. So here's where you see this mind. You continue to see thoughts in, in mind. They think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your what? Leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your leads to life and peace. You'll see that before, you know, and this is even revelation that I'm growing in as I continue to study myself, but you'll see before we ever focus on the behavior, we have to, we have to confront the beliefs. Because the behavior is just fruit of what we believe, yeah. right? For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those, are, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. And I think we have to take note that as we read this, there, there's, as we observe the phrasing in, in these verses, letting your sinful nature, letting the spirit, it's submission language. It's, it's allowing to take place. And we discover that there's this battle within our mind that our actions before they're ever actions are seeds of thought. So could it be that living a life in the spirit is really getting my thought life right first, Right? coming into agreement that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's why some of us, man, we get bound in guilt. We get bound in shame. We get bound in fear. 
and it keeps us from it keeps us from living the life that Jesus liberated us to live. There is no condemnation. Listen, I know you've stumbled and I know you've messed up. Come on, pick yourself up in his grace, amen, and keep on going. The spirit of God is making us more and more like Christ Jesus, amen? We gotta get our minds right. I wonder if there's someone in the room, you know, and, and, and you've found yourself bound. You found yourself stuck. You found yourself without freedom in an area. And I would just be willing to bet that some of that, some of that stronghold is because this ain't right. Let's keep reading. Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not live, who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them, do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives in you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. So here's what we see where our physical bodies will die. Our physical bodies, because of sin, will deteriorate and, and pass away. Uh, you know, six feet under somewhere, if you're going to get cremated in, in the flames, you know. Um, but, but then he goes on to talk about, he said, but, but our spirit will live on, right? We receive new bodies in, in heaven. But then he goes on to talk about our mortal body right now, though, too. He says this, so verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, in you. Say, I got the spirit. Got the spirit. Come on, I got the spirit. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your what? Mortal bodies. So, so, so the work of the Spirit is happening right now. God wants to give us power to live this life he's called us to through his Spirit right now. Amen? Amen. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So as we continue reading this passage from Paul to the Romans, we continue to discover the spirit of God at work within us does not just merely seal our salvation, but this spirit renews our mind to live free from the power of sin in this life right now. Romans 8, 12 through 14, let's keep reading. Therefore, Paul keeps writing, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. He's saying, and we'll, we'll, we can see this in other letters Paul writes. He talks about there's this war between our flesh and our spirit. This, this flesh that, that is constantly nagging us, uh, persuading us, tr trying to uh, deceive us in, into rebelling, into disobedience, into chasing our own desires, our own lustful pleasures, this flesh that's pulling out of, on us. But we have the spirit of God. We have another power at work on the inside of us now that, that wants to lead us. And now we find ourselves in this war between the two, in the battle between the two. But what we have to recognize is there's power that comes with the Holy Spirit. So before you were bound by your sin, you were bound by it, but now you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You got another power at work within you. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And then on to verse 15, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit 
when he adopted you as his own children. So now we call him Abba, Father. And check this out. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. There's a new, we got a new, when we come into faith um, in Christ Jesus, we receive a new spiritual DNA. That's what that's telling us, right? His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we are God's children. And since we are his children, we're his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So based off this passage in Romans 8, I know I just threw a lot at you. We ran through it briefly. You know, we could probably break that passage up into a whole six-week series or something like that. But, but I think there's a couple of practical things that we can pull from it. And the first one is this. The Holy Spirit gives you power to receive salvation. The Holy Spirit is the power at work in the process of salvation. Romans 8, 1 through 2, it says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no more condemnation. And because you belong to him, right? When we put faith in Christ, there is also the work of the Spirit, which is also the work of Christ at work within us. Christ works through his Spirit, but the Spirit is separate from Christ. It's all working together within us. Uh, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And we just read it, but even Romans eight sixteen says, for his Spirit joins with our Spirit to affirm we are God's children, right? So the Holy Spirit, is it gives us power to receive salvation. Number two, second practical thing we see from this verse, the Holy Spirit gives you power to know God's will. In Romans 8, verses five through six, we saw, so those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. I explained it like this last week. It, it's very, um, just a very basic way to explain it, but it's almost as if the Holy Spirit carries information to us, right? Like the Holy Spirit gives us thoughts. The Holy Spirit gives us desires. And, it's, and, and those are the things by which we are led and, and need to choose. We reread this, we read this verse last week, but we even, we even read it at the beginning of this message in John 16, 13, we see Jesus say something similar. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. So as we submit to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is leading us, right? To know God's will for our lives. Third point, y'all are with me, right? Okay. The Holy Spirit gives you power to be bold gives you power to be bold. Romans 8, 15, such a beautiful verse. In fact, you know, little, this is totally off script, but when we were kind of praying about adoption, fostering, all of that, um, Abigail went to bed. I went into the living room, turned on worship music, and just kind of prayed by myself. And was this verse rose up in my heart. And I just went to read it. And it says this, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So now we call him Abba Father. And really the revelation, it's you know, kind of unrelated to the message here, but the revelation that I received reading that verse is how could I not do for others in the physical what God has done for me in the spirit? And that was the, the confirmation and affirmation that I needed. So this verse has a special place in my heart. But how many know there is a big difference between being a slave 
and being a son. There's a big difference between being a slave. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So now we call him daddy, right? A slave is striving, trying to keep his job, trying to perform to the standard so he's not replaced, but a son A son has confidence. A son will ask without hesitation. A a son is a part of the family. There's a different grace for a son. Amen? Paul also talks about this in his letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy, verse 1 through 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Come on, the Holy Spirit gives us power. Amen? The Holy Spirit makes us bold. Uh, when God's spirit comes on us, we receive boldness. So here, here's my fourth one, practical point. The spirit gives us power to live a holy life. The spirit gives us power to live a holy life. Romans 8, 12 through 13. It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Come on, your sinful nature is gonna pull on you. It's gonna pull on your mind. It's gonna pull on your eyes going to pull on your hands, right? Stole a Slim Jim when I was about four years old, and I blamed the devil. Amen? Come on. That sinful nature taking control of my hands. I said, Mom, the devil made me do it. She made me bring it back in and apologize. It was embarrassing. It says, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And we have to understand that the the Holy Spirit gives us power to put those sinful deeds to death and to walk away from them in freedom. Not only does Paul mention this in Romans 8, but he also discusses this issue in in other letters that he wrote, specifically to the church of Galatia. He writes this in uh, chapter five of his letter to the Galatians. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Again, we see that submission language. Let, let, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, he teaches us a little about these two different natures at war within us. He says the sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires. Remember, it carries this information to our souls, right? The the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to just carry out your own good intentions. We need to follow the Spirit. And then when we follow the Spirit, really that's us living a life following Jesus. And Jesus told us, follow me because I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So we got to follow that Holy Spirit. Amen? Here's what I continue to discover about the Holy Spirit. And, I, and again, I've already talked a little bit about this, but it's something that I'm just continuing to learn and, and grow in, even in this season right now. But much of living by the Spirit, following the leading of the Spirit, submitting to the Spirit, um, has much less to do with our actions and, and much more to do with our thought life. We, we focus on the actions, we focus on the behavior, but the behavior and the actions are just the fruit, we need the root. Actions are the fruit from seeds of thought. And some of that power of the Holy Spirit is what he's doing up here. What he makes way for up here. 
I know there's so many of us, we, we want to live a life in the Spirit. We, we want to be led by the Spirit. But, but then we observe our actions, and our actions seem to often tell us a different story. And we think, man, I did it again. I acted again. Stole the Slim Jim again. Sorry, Mom. We, we begin to focus on behaviors rather than the thoughts that led us to those behaviors. Why? You know, why did, why, did we, why did we pick up the substance? Why did we go back to it? I thought it would give me joy. I thought it would make me feel good, right? Why, why, did, you, why, why did you run off? Why did you run off with someone else? I thought, I, I felt, I thought it would make me feel important. I thought before we ever move, we have these thoughts in our minds. And we got to get to the root. And the Spirit's up here whispering to our head and our hearts, hey, don't do that. Hey, do this. Hey, go this way. Come this way. This is the law of the Spirit. We don't, we don't just follow the law. We follow the Spirit now. We're under the Spirit. James, he, he helps us understand this. He in the first chapter of the letter he wrote, he says this temptation comes from our own thoughts, from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And check this out. Before their ever actions, he says these desires give birth to actions. We have to nip the desires in the butt. We, we got to get our mind right. And part of how we get this mind right is receiving and believing the revelation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Really desires more than anything are thoughts. Kim, you can come if you don't mind. Once you recognize it's not behavior modification that's needed, it's belief modification that's needed. We need new thoughts. We need our minds transformed. We need a renewal of our mind. We need new thoughts before we can see new behaviors, right? And we saw that same truth highlighted in Romans. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Before you ever act, you got thoughts that you're submitting to, thoughts that you're allowing and this is the very reason in just a few chapters later, Paul writes, come on, we know it. It's not on there, Romans 12. We know it. But it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your, by the renewal of your mind. And this is some of what that Holy Spirit does within us. Renews our mind. Renews our mind. Our transformation as much to do with what happens in our minds. And something that I've been so encouraged by is uh, really what Paul says right before Romans 8, 1 in Romans 7. Because you gotta think in context, you gotta think about who Paul was. You gotta think about what Paul's accomplished in his ministry. Like Paul has endured shipwrecks. Paul has been bitten by snakes and the venom didn't even touch him. And people were so impressed that they thought he was a god. 
right? Paul has had a revelation of Jesus, heard and practically seen Jesus in, in, in a revelation. Paul had someone pray for him and something like scales fell off his eyes and he received new spiritual sight. Paul has encountered God in ways that none of us have. Paul gently brags about how he was caught up into the third heaven and saw things he can't even talk about. This is, this is Paul, a man of God. I don't know about you, but I haven't had a lot of that happen to me. Yet he, he has the humility. He's transparent enough to say this in Romans 7. I've discovered this principle of life. This is what he says. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my here it is, there it is. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who's going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But then we see in the following verses, when he opens up Romans chapter eight, he says, but now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And some of us just need to know that Christ has made you well, that Christ has healed your soul, right? That Christ loves you, that he came for you and through faith in him, everything changes. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.